Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Let's Talk About from Style Canada. And let me tell you, we're talking. Let's face it, we talk a lot. We talk about things we love, hot topics, and anything in between. But what about the things we don't talk about? What about the things we want to know but don't know how to ask? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Let's expand our horizons. Let's talk about it. So hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk About. Our guest today is an absolute icon. Let's talk about fashion with Jeannie Becker. She starts off one of her books by talking about her extraordinary life. And wow, how true that is. Her credentials run long, so I'm going to try to hit all the highlights here, Jeannie. But starting in show business from the young age of 16, Jeannie Becker has done it all. Getting her first break in broadcasting in Newfoundland with CBC, Jeannie covered arts and later moved to Toronto to take a position with Chum Radio. While in Toronto, she helped launch the groundbreaking series, The New Music, a trailblazer of her own right. Jeannie was a founding member of the iconic Much Music and Fashion Television, which she represented for 27 years. A seasoned columnist and features writer, Jeannie also served as the editor-in-chief of FQ and Sir Magazines and has offered five books. Jeannie currently hosts Style Matters on the Shopping Channel and her own podcast, Beyond Style Matters. As a true fashion expert, she has consulted on numerous fashion lines and continues to be a key stakeholder in style commentary in Canada. Jeannie has won many awards, including being named to the Order of Canada in 2014 and a star on Canada's Walk of Fame. Jeannie, thank you so much for being here today. It is an absolute thrill for me to be speaking to you. Oh, Lisa, it's a pleasure. You wore me out with that intro. I it's know. like, I've really been around, baby. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was, Ali and I were talking this weekend. And I'm like, how are we going to intro this? Like there's so, you have such a rich career and, and it's amazing. So we're so thankful to have you here today. And of course we're going to get into fashion, but you, you have quite a story to tell. Um, and I remember, you know, being in, in my teens and, and even into my early twenties and watching you on fashion television and seeing you and seeing like Dean and Dan of D squared. And at the time I had just finished my undergrad and realize, you know, Canadians can be in fashion. So I think that a lot of people accredit you in Canada for kind of opening up that that door to us really in a way. And that the summer I was watching, I remember specifically this one summer, and I was leaving for Milan for fashion school, right in that September. And I was just like, I think it kind of gave just a feeling of, 
you know, I can do this. Like we can, as Canadians, be a part of the style discussion. So I know that you have a family history in the garment industry in Toronto, but how did you get started talking about fashion? Hold on, hold on. Why do you say that, Elise? Why do I say your family history? Garment industry. Uh, I guess just because I thought that your father had a little bit, it was a slipper kind of factory. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I never thought, because there, there was a company called Becker Fashions. So oh, okay. On the go. And a lot of people think that that's not oh, me. Okay. That's no, no, no. Like, I, I, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> slippers. I never thought of that as the fashion business, but I suppose it, it was in a way it operated in yeah. the same kind of way. I made slippers. Yeah. <laughs> and nowadays I feel like um, comfortable footwear like that is very on trend, right? So yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, <laughs> Maybe <not> then. <laughs> I should have taken over his company when, uh, you know, it's sadly he passed away in, uh, yeah. in the late eighties. If only I would have hung on to that slipper business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But how did you, you started more in kind of the music space and broadcasting, right? So what was the transition to fashion? Oh boy. Well, um, listen, I grew up in the sixties and any, any hip girl that grew up in the sixties was going to be in love with fashion because so much, uh, was happening on a revolutionary front, uh, in the fashion world in the sixties. It was such a heady time, such a great time. So I was always just a huge fashion fan. Plus my background as an actress, I always saw fashion as a great mode of self-expression and, yeah. and it's a costume in a sense. Yeah. And of course my mom used to make all our clothes growing up because we didn't have very much money and we certainly could never buy any of those designer duds. So, so fashion was always something that was very important to me. Um, around about 1984, 85, I had been doing the new music Mm-hmm. for uh, several years. I mean, I started that show 1979. That was like pre-MTV. We were doing that uh, groundbreaking uh, music magazine show at City TV. And I started thinking, okay, you know, what's what's the next big thing? You know, we had just launched Much Music. Um, I had interviewed Rod Stewart more times than I could count, you know, and, which amazing. was fine, but yeah. it was like, I have to do this once more. And, you know, what's, what's the hot new thing? I'd met all my team uh, rock idols that I'd grown up with, you know, like interviewed a couple of members of the Rolling Stones. Oh my the, gosh. Know, Paul McCartney. Yeah. Robert wow. Smith, you know, where, how far can you go? So I was really looking for the next big thing. And there was a uh, rumbling around the TV station that, um, a guy named Jay Levine, who was a producer in the promo department, decided that he was going to try to put music videos on TV. And this was something that no one had really seen before because music videos, they had just started to produce them. Just a precious handful of designers like Ralph Lauren was doing them. Norma Kamali, who was always so ahead of her time, was doing them. Just a few different designers thinking that they could do for the fashion industry, what music videos had done for the music industry, but there wasn't any platform for these music videos. I remember at one time uh, when, when I was hosting uh, the new music with Daniel Richler, we tried putting these fashion videos on the show, the new music, okay. but you know, it wasn't really quite right. So this guy, Jay Levine thought, you know, I'm going to uh, make a music magazine, uh, not even a magazine show. It was almost like a music video show. Mm-hmm. And he was looking for a hot young model to host the pilot episode. And I caught wind of this and I said, hey, you know what? This is something I might be interested in. I and I'm not it. a hot young model, but I certainly paid my dues in yeah. uh, the world of entertainment and certainly had interviewed so many of the names behind the record labels. Right. Maybe we could 
interview the designers behind the fashion labels. Right, yeah. Uh, he was like, well, I don't know if I really want to do that. I just want this to be a sexy show all about movement and getting out on the street and shooting fashion. And But anyway, I kicked and screamed a little bit and like ran upstairs to management and pounded on the door. I was like, I paid my dues. You got to let me do this. I really love fashion. And, you know, we could really do great things with this show. So they said, "Okay, okay, fine. We'll give you your chance. I love that. I hosted that that pilot episode, 1985. And it was very um, sort of a superficial kind of show because it was just honestly like a fashion video show and I was just introing all these little videos and these bits of street fashion and then I said you know why can't we go go to New York or, or even in Toronto like we could go to interview the Roots guys or the, you know we could do what we did with music we could do that for fashion on television why not and they said okay well after that first pilot air they thought yeah you know this could be meteor you know what let's let's do that and so I we just started doing it and the show in my mind was very much like the show the new music was where we told stories of these famous iconic you know people and and or unearthed new people in the industry we went backstage with them we went into the the studio with them just as we had done uh, with the music show but we even got you know, further with it, it, it was yeah. just such a heady time too. You know, the mid eighties was when the fashion designers started really hanging out with the rock stars. You know, okay. you saw them, Jean-Paul Gaultier, Terry Mugler and David Bowie, Versace and Elton John, certainly. And um, you know, it just sort of made sense that these designers could be like the next merging of the, wor- the world. Yeah. I didn't realize that you had such a hand in like crafting the format of that show. Really, and, and well, you know, it was a team. Yeah, and whenever you're starting something new as a team, and different people on the team bring different experience to it. I mean, Jay Levine um, had a great um, eye for for you know sexy visuals. Let's okay. put it that way. Yeah, you know, as I say, he worked in the promo department, and he also had some background in the news department um, at City TV, as did I, and he he had a vision for a fast paced, you know, sexy show that would just really pop, you know, that would offer that kind of eye candy that everyone was craving yeah. at the time. And uh, I, of course, brought my skills, you know, as an interviewer, as, you know, having run, run around, uh, you know, the, the world really interviewing some of these iconic people. And, you know, I thought, wow, if you can deal with the egos of rock stars, you know, you can <laughs> deal with any egos. <laughs> Fashion egos were pretty much up there. I was going to say, we're, we're, what's the easier side of that? Yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, you know, Jay was determined to make it a show that went beyond mere fashion. So he was very hot on architecture. So we interviewed so many of the great architects um, of our time. And photography, of course, was such an important part of the fashion scene, but also, you know, even beyond uh, mere fashion. So the show, and visual artists, we interviewed a lot of them too. And we covered the parties. It was really about capturing the zeitgeist, you know, the spirit of the times. And there was just so much going on during those years. It was such a golden era. I miss that fashion. energy. Like I just, even just you talking about it now, I'm like, oh, that it feels energizing, right? In of itself. Did you find like, because you were already kind of interviewing these high profile people on the music side, did you have easier access to the fashion side? You mentioned those worlds were emerging. Was, was it hard to get in there and get those interviews? Was it 
Honestly, at least I tell you, in the early days of fashion television, when we started the show in the mid 80s, it wasn't very hard at all because designers were like, really, you want to come into my studio? I mean, you know, Issey Miyake, who had never, there was never a TV crew in his studio before. We we traveled to Tokyo and, you know, he said, come on in and couldn't have been that. We, we got into some incredible places and spent such quality time with so many of these designers in their studios because no one had ever really done it before. There was one show that had started maybe a couple of years before our show, Style with Elsa Clench on CNN. Elsa Clench, though, was a very kind of no-nonsense um, she was from, uh, I believe she was yeah, she's from New Zealand and very, um, very much a fashion editor, you know, old style for a fashion journalist. She'd worked for Harper's Bazaar and she really, you know, would ask questions like, well, why beige? You know, why that hemline? Why that silhouette? Or why that fabrication? Look, we didn't care about that. We, we were interested in the creative process. We were interested in, you know, in the artistic energy mm-hmm. of that world. And there was so much of that going on before sadly big business came along and sort of stomped a bit of that out. Mm-hmm. But um, it wasn't really hard at all when uh, these designers realized that we were there to celebrate them. Yeah. You know, we weren't, you know, and they enjoyed um, the point of view, I think, that we had to really regard fashion as entertainment. Because I was an entertainment reporter, first mm-hmm, and foremost. Mm-hmm, so I did that first in schools and uh, certainly in all my uh, arts reporting over the years. You know, it was very much about entertainment and we saw fashion through that lens. So they were very welcoming. We were often the only crew backstage at a fashion show. Now, hmm. within a couple of years, I mean, by the 90s, forget about it. You know, it was, <laughs> but because we had a history with a lot of these people and we had watched them slowly, you know, come up through the ranks, you know, like the Michael Kors and the Marc Jacobs, you know, in America, um, so many designers that had just sort of started to, you know, get their feet wet in fashion and build their brands. They, they trusted us and, you know, they saw us as friends and they always loved our approach, like the way we cut the show and, and the way, uh, you know, the music worked and it was a fun show to watch. I can and we- 30 markets oh so that's we, amazing yeah, we were syndicated to 130 different countries so you they got a lot of exposure right. and they helped make a lot of those people household names right and I can see where you're saying that tie-in of entertainment because designers see their fashion shows as showcasing their art right like that's a designer side maybe the sales sees it as like let's get the buyers interested etc but the mm-hmm. designer sees it as as their their platform to show that artistic side you know and at least it was also a very interesting time because just like we had, I dare say, broken in a lot of the musicians who had never been on TV before mm-hmm. the late 70s in that way. I mean, musicians used to be on shows like back in the 60s or, you know, or, or in the 70s, like American Bandstand or Top of the Pops, where they would go on a show and they would perform and then, you know, maybe say a few words, you know, to the audience. But we really wanted to ride with them you know we really got into their lives and we really rode on the tour buses with them and we really got to know them you know where they lived and so they realized that wow television is the new hot medium for music 
we really have to cultivate our personalities. We have to be good on camera. We have to come up with equips. We have to know what to say. We have to, so that we, we really help, you know, get them, get their feet wet. And um, so I saw so many great musicians who started out being quite shy initially, you know, over the years, all of a sudden they had great, you know, command of the, of the camera. Well, the same for designers. When we first started, some of them were kind of shy. They weren't used to being interviewed. They weren't used to being on TV. They didn't really have their rap down. Mm-hmm. But as the years progressed, obviously, you know, they they started to turn into great personalities in their own right. Such an interesting transition that to experience that. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, some big names that, that you've interviewed and everyone from Naomi Campbell, Carl Lagerfeld, who is there a most memorable for you? Or like, are they all, are they all? All up there. There are a, a healthy handful, way more than a couple of handfuls of memorable times that I spent mm-hmm. with uh, various designers and, and some of the models or even the great photographers uh, of the era. Um, great shoots that we had, great, great trips that we went on. Um, really, you know, too many to count. I've written about some of them in my first two books. It's really time for another book now because the first one, uh, <laughs> they're now out of print, although you can find them online, I'm sure. Yeah. First one, Genie Unbottled, Adventures in High Style. Um, that took me up to the, about the year 2000. Okay. And then um, in uh, that came out in 2000. And then in about 2010, 2011, I had another book called uh, uh, Finding Myself in Fashion. Yeah. That had That's- more of those adventures. You know, and yeah, that's now another decades pass. So I really, I, I should start cracking it's, and do another book now because there were some amazing, amazing shoots and some of the shows at that time. As I know, you know, you're aware of, were just off the map in yeah. terms of quality, and there was no expense spared. They were throwing so much money at that scene back in those days. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, John Galliano wanted to throw a a fashion show at Versailles for Dior. Yes, absolutely. And he did it. Yeah. Or some of the theatrical extravaganzas at McQueen stage. I mean, just beyond the beyond. It was such, such an incredibly heady time. I was so lucky to be there. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't at them personally, obviously, but I remember I worked at Oscar de la Renta when Galliano um, did that one collection and being in the showroom with him and, you know, the McQueen exhibit at the Met, I got to see that and just kind of being, you know, face to face with some of this, these beautiful pieces of art. Like I can't imagine being in the actual audience during the shows, like what, what moments for sure. And also because there weren't that many uh, crews in the early days, especially clamoring to cover these people. And we got to do some amazing things like, like, you know, Bill, Bill Blass, who to me was like one of the great iconic uh, designers in in America, certainly. Mm -hmm. And, and the world really, he had such an exquisite vision and it was so modern and cool. You know, we, we took him out onto the streets of New York city and just shot our own kind of fashion video. And there he was like dressing the girls and primping them and adjusting their hats and doing up their zippers. And, and we're out on the streets of New York with a legendary figure like Bill Blass, or we're going to Paris with the late great Patrick Kelly, that wonderful black American designer that was just so cool. and just such a gorgeous spirit. We went to visit him and his 
Paris studio and he took us right out onto the street and we just, you know, created a little bit of a scene there shooting the girls. And, and it was just such a wonderful way to cover fashion and the way I see so many of the editors and even fashion writers now, you know, that they're, they're sit, even if they're lucky enough, these, well, these days it's not happening, but mm-hmm. to sit in the, you know, in the front row of the fashion show with your camera to try, try to capture everything, you know, really watching it through your iPhone. I mean, and, and never, hardly ever really getting to hang out with the designer backstage afterwards. Yeah. And we'd often be invited, you know, to their after parties and, you know, get a whole other facet of their lives in that way. That I was can- incredible. I can see why you don't have like a favorite moment because it all sounds amazing. Oh, there's so much. There was so much and moments that I even even forget. Like, uh, you know, I, I was just looking at some pictures here. I, I just have them right here yeah. on my dining table if you want to see it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I came, I was looking through some old files. I came across a picture of me and Oscar de la Renta in the fashion television office with a model. We brought a model with them and came to visit. When he came to Toronto, I guess, for some perfume launch, you know, must have been, you know, sometime in the late 80s or something, you know. Wow. Yeah. We really got to do some incredible stuff. We just had such great access. It was extraordinary. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you talked a little bit, I mean, it's changed so much, right? And you touched on that. What, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Like, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, I was listening to your podcast. I think you had Brad Grosky on and just kind of talking about like how everything's changed and maybe I don't know. Is that glamour still there? Like, how does that feel for you now? Like, because you knew it then, right? Versus, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying, Elise, and you're right. Listen, glamour will always be there because, um, you know, it's, it's a really wonderful lens for humans to see the world through and know, you know, how far it goes. Um, Glamour has changed. It's a different kind of glamour, I think, than the high full out glamour that we experienced back you know especially like throughout the 90s the whole age of the supermodel and all that stuff like whoa um and as i say when there was just so much more money around um for that kind of thing there are a lot of incredibly creative uh people in the fashion world today especially a lot of the young talents who are really looking to you know, redefine uh, almost what fashion means in our lives. And that's that's the important thing now. Like, how are we going to take fashion into this next age? Yeah. Because it's a really wonky place right now, as you know. I mean, yeah. look, there's interesting stuff going on. I mean, and, and I'm sure advancements being made with fabrications. And, of course, the whole conversation has shifted to sustainability. So that's a whole other thing. And then as a result, we're really going through um, the old stuff and and resale has never been bigger and vintage fashion has never been hotter. Um, So, you know, we're morphing into something. I'm not sure what it is, but I I do trust uh, the the creative um, people and the talents of our time to push it forward and take it somewhere new and exciting. Will it ever be like what it was? No, I don't think so. Because, you know, been there, done that. Like yeah. he wants to see that. And I started actually getting, and a lot of other of my friends in fashion, a lot of the editors too, started getting a little bored just, you know, in the seasons, let's say 
pre-2020, like before the pandemic really rocked our worlds, I think a lot of us were looking at some of the stuff coming down the runway going, well, really? Like, this has been done. We've seen this. Why are you just going back and trying to reinvent the wheel? Like, we were all craving something new. There was almost a kind of boredom that had been creeping into fashion. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, this has been a great time to reset as so many people have been saying. Yeah, like it definitely a time to reflect. I remember, you know, some of those conversations internal. I was at Burberry most recently and like how, you know, do seasons mean anything anymore? Like, are we more see now, buy now? And all those kind of conversations, I think. And I know beginning of pandemic, uh, I think Vogue had those in conversations and it'll be interesting to see like that whole series they did. It'll be interesting to see what comes of it because we are at such this, this turning point, you know, and I, I do know though, like I was doing some online shopping the other day and I do want to be inspired again. You know, I think that I, I think seeing all the Leonor out there is great, but you know, I will, I want to get dressed up again. Do you think? Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created pretty litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. What do you, how do you imagine our style anyway after this? Do you think we're going to kind of have like a full glamour moment? Are we going to be understated? Do you have any thoughts on it? Well, you know, I think just like, um, you know, when fashion started breaking off into these kind of tribes where, you know, at one point fashion was about everybody kind of doing the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. And then it, it became, you know, everybody, about everybody doing their own thing. And, and people started going off into these various directions. And, you know, whether it was streetwear, whether it was, you know, the red carpet dressing, whether it was, you know, cozy, casual, you know, what, there were there were lots of great little alleyways in the world of fashion that you could go down and be happy in and find your own, you know, style expression, or you could just mix it all up. And, you know, and that was great too. And it, it largely uh, for many of us, it was about the mix and why, why we love that high, low mix. And wow. yes. but I do, so that's never going to go away. Cause that's like, you know, it's Pandora's box, you know, it's been opened. The possibilities are there. I don't think we're ever going to go back to like, I, I don't think we're ever really going to go back to uniform dressing, you know, the way we sort of saw glimmers of that back in the day. Um, maybe, you know, some people see that, you know, Kamala Harris wearing a pantsuit now and it's all, about, oh yes, we're going to get back into the, the, you know, the, two-piece pantsuits, a uniform for the working woman, you know, I'm not so sure about that. What I do think though, and I fingers and toes crossed for sure, is that we will be so happy (laughs) when we can get back to some semblance of normalcy and start getting those invitations and start really being able to go out there and strut it, that there will be a kind of renaissance and I think a lot of us will take advantage of really putting our best foot forward and really strutting it and celebrating ourselves and, and just celebrating the spirit of humanity, like rising again, like a, a phoenix from the ashes. I mean, I hope a lot of people certainly speculate about that now, too, because they look at, you know, history does usually repeat itself. And we look back to the Spanish influenza and and what happened in the roaring 20s and everyone just like you know went nuts hopefully that'll, that'll come back i certainly hope so i've got you know i've got a closet full of fabulous stilettos and i'm dying to put on again i don't care what anybody i have a, you know it's a lot of my girlfriends oh well that's crazy i'm never gonna put those shoes on again we want to be comfortable forever and, and you know what a little discomfort in the fashion arena isn't such a bad thing physical discomfort i mean you have to you know as long as you're comfortable in your own skin yeah. and it makes you yeah. Feel good. You know, I want to stand on my toes again and yeah. drink a martini. I am on your page more than anything. Knowing I was talking to you today, I was going through my closet and I'm like, I'm going to put on a tweed blade, like a tweed jacket. I haven't worn tweed in a year, you know? So <laughs> it was a good excuse. And I think, you know, how we dress has such an impact on how we feel too. Like, you know, and and I, I think that there's, we had this um, conversation a couple of weeks ago on Clubhouse. Have you heard of this new audio app, Clubhouse? I jo- Darling, I joined it last night. Oh, good. <laughs> I love it. I just joined it two weeks ago. And I thought, I'll try it. And I can't figure it out. So I, I'm wondering if I should just forget about it. No, but. don't. We need to have you. We, yeah, no, I just, we just joined it um, like three weeks ago. And we need to have you on it because we had this whole conversation of kind of like fashion versus style. And so I'd love to hear your take on that because, Absolutely. yeah, would love that. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. yeah. So, you know, we talking about the differences between the two and I really see, you know, you touching a little bit on how we're, you're okay with being like a little bit uncomfortable. And, and I think fashion to me has always been kind of like, you know, it's in the stores with the designers put, but style is so much more personal to me in a way, right? It's like how I'm interpreting what those designs are. What's your take though on the difference between fashion and style? Well, um, I think it was Lauren Hutton once said to me, the fabulous Lauren Hutton, uh, fashion is what you're offered. 
Yes. Style is what you choose. I don't know if that was her original quote, but she told me that. And I, that totally made sense to me. Yes. Yeah. Fashion. We offer all kinds of fashion. As a retailer, in, you know, even in my role at TSC, um, we offer people all kinds of options because there's, you know, we love to feel it. There's kind of something for everyone. But at the end of the day, you're your own editor. And, you know, it's funny because for so many years, obviously, we look to the editors for direction and, you know, what was right and what was wrong and all that stuff. I think all that's really gone out the window happily. And I think women are um, empowered now or sure, increasingly so. And women are savvy enough. They've seen enough. They really uh, want to make their own choices and they know what they feel looks good on them and they, you know, or, or hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll go out and, and get the right kind of advice if that's what they need. But um, I, I think it's, as you say, a very personal thing and it's all about self-expression and there's no such thing as that's in or that's out anymore. I'm always, you know, leery too. And I know the whole fashion world revolves around trend speak, you know, it's got, we, and, and as, as retailers too, it's very important to really address trends that people are seeing in the mainstream because they just sort of glom onto that. But I think it's a little bit, I don't know, of a tired thing, the whole idea of trends. Like what, what isn't a great trend right about now? Like what, what are you going to say? Well, this season it's all about pink or it's all about plaid. I mean, that's hogwash really. We've heard that season in and season out. If I have to hear that once more, you know, in this season, it's all about the fringes, like really, or metallics are in again, or it's all about the, you know, tailored jacket. I I don't know. I think any of that stuff goes and certainly a testament to that is our whole passion for vintage dressing for most of us anyway. I mean, I I love, 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 love it. Can never get enough of that. Mm -hmm. And to be able to mix, you know, brand new modern pieces with those great old nostalgic pieces and, you know, that's just smashing. Yeah. So, yeah. It almost becomes like, what can I find in my mom's closet or what can I find? You know, like it becomes a little bit more of the hunt and you want to find those unique pieces, right? So yeah, I, I absolutely, it's interesting the, the conversation between the two. I think we're much more wanting to showcase who we are through our, through our clothing and not having it dictated to us. And those gatekeepers, like you're saying, the editors, the buyers, et cetera, they now with social media have to kind of take in what the consumer is directly telling them now, right? Like we have these direct access to these designers and, mm-hmm. and the buyers and department stores. So it's, it's an interesting kind of, it's an interesting time for that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is a great time. It's, it's really a time for expressing yourself <laughs> and, and who doesn't want that? You know, it's a one creative decision that everybody gets to make every day. I mean, yeah. some of us are, better at it than others, but you know, but it's the one thing that you decide how you want to present yourself to the world. You decide, you know, what what color socks you're going to wear, what kind of, you know, what, I don't know, what what type of a shoe you're going to put on your foot, what type of an earring you're going to put, you know, it's all, all those little details just make it such a fun experience. I mean, some people just don't care and they, but you know, just, okay, yeah, whatever, I'll just put it on and do it. Especially these days when, you know, the only real social interaction you might have is via a zoom screen from the head up. Yeah, that's fine. But I think it's important to even like, even today I'm wearing a pair of, you know, shoes that have like a wedge. I mean, I could have been sitting here barefoot or I was going to put a pair of mucklucks on because they're cozy and I wear them around 
a lot, but I thought, no, I want to feel, you know, yes. a little elevated. Come on, I'm going to yes. talk conversational style here. Yes. Like, so, so I think it's important to, you know, care about yourself from the waist down. <laughs> I love that. You know, just for yourself. Because at the end of the day, I think we should be dressing for ourselves mm-hmm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you know, you mentioned some of your partnerships that you have. I know you actually have a line. I'm in Niagara and, and you've done some work with Shannon Passero oh. there too. Yeah. Oh, and again, we've got another little uh, capsule collection of uh, Kind of you know luxurious basics. <laughs> Love it. The juxtaposition of, of uh, sensibilities are coming to um, the Style Matters platform uh, in about in a month month and a half. So that'll be exciting. Another collaboration with Shannon. She's just wonderful and really understands you know what real women want and need. And uh, she's just got such a great emporium herself. That wonderful shop of hers have you been there the post office yeah yeah so I I moved back to Niagara I lived in New York for the past 10 years and I moved back and so yeah and Shannon's always been a, a great kind of partner in different things so yeah I've been there quite a few times yeah no I love that and I love that the line has like if, I re- if I'm remembering correctly, a focus on sustainability, right? And working yes. with local workers. And so that's amazing. So obviously something, you know, you touched on sustainability earlier, yeah. a kind of trend we're seeing overall, right? Yeah, the first collection that we did together this uh, was uh, really fun. And uh, Shannon's has, has had a long time relationship with a women's co-op yes. in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And uh, these women, there were about 25 of them, make everything themselves and all the sweaters are hand loom made from you know organic cotton and you know the, the pieces that we did together were all just they're either ivory or indigo you know so it's all like natural uh colors or dyes yeah. and uh, then we Shannon found folds of this fabulous vintage fabric in some at some warehouse in Thailand like tons and tons of it it was all embroidered so uh she had these women whip up these fabulous kimonos and they're just fantastic so we were selling them through the shopping channel uh, or today's shopping choice as we call it now TSC on my show style matters and, and online at tsc.ca and also selling uh through Shannon's store so that that was a fun collaboration and we're looking forward to um to more fun with this new uh new little line that we've got going I saw that kimono it was beautiful it was beautiful and you you mentioned I think was it was your last book then the book from nine years ago was that the my last, last book? book was uh finding myself in fashion finding, okay so that was the last one because it's funny when you yeah. you know you say we're I think we're ready for another one too and I re- I was watching some interviews that you did around that time of that book and I think one of the questions was something like, you know, do you feel like you're close to finding yourself? So I'm curious, you know, almost a decade later, because you seem like you're constantly evolving with the podcast and everything. Do you, does one find themselves or do you think it's just like a constant journey? Like you seem like you're. It is a constant journey. I mean, I don't ever want to say, oh, okay, maybe I've gone for a bit on my deathbed or something. I'll be lying (laughs) Okay, that's it. I found myself and now I'm ready to go into some other worldly adventure, but, or other worldly adventure, but for um, my life right now, and and in the past, even in the past uh, five, almost six years now, my life changed dramatically because my priorities changed um, quite a bit. Certain priorities were all, you know, that have been there 
forever will still always be there. And those are priorities that have to do with, with my drive and my passion for my work and, you know, just keeping myself dancing as fast as I can. But I found love. I found true love uh, in 2015. um, The love of my life just, you know, walked into uh, a space that I was in and, Wow. It was like, love, seriously, love at first sight. I was 63 years old. Amazing. So just saying, if anybody out there listening hasn't found their true love yet, you know, wait. That's, because uh, you never know. That's I mean, a book in of itself. That's a yeah, book I mean, itself. I had a great uh, grandmother. My great grandmother in Poland w- was married for the third time at the age of 73 or something. So, you know, love I'm that. saying these, Norma Kabali just got engaged. I mean, oh. she's been she her true love at 65. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, Joan Juliet Bach, you know, brilliant fashion editor. And she just uh, got married during this COVID time. She's well into her 70s. So I'm just saying, like, these things happen when we're ready for them sometimes. And even though we don't know it, we think we're ready for them when we're in their, our thirties or, or forties or fifties. And then, you know, and it's, you're wondering why isn't it happening for me? But I was at a point in my life when I was just ready for that kind of prioritization to have a relationship. And it's been the sweetest thing you know, this decade because of that, you know, it's been the sweetest of my life, you know, and now I, and I look forward to uh, I hate to say 70s, but why not? You know, so much uh, ageism in the past in our society has really uh, colored uh, the way we see the world in such a negative way. So we're really hoping to, uh, you know, make people open their eyes. I think a lot of us older gals who are out there really enjoying life and, and still, you know, as I say, dancing as fast as we can and still um, intent on, on having our voices heard for uh, for a lot of the younger women out there. I, I, think I saw your bathing suit photo on Instagram and I think you look fabulous. <laughs> so, yes, you look amazing. Like, absolutely. And, and I think like a confidence comes with as you get older too, right? Like, would oh, you have posted that in your 20s? or I don't know, but maybe not. Yeah, right? I, mean, like, I would have posted that. Did you ever see that shot of me in 1969 dancing in a bikini top? Okay, I think I... The Toronto Pop Festival. Yeah, I would have strutted it back then too. But that being said, there's no... It's beyond even the, you know, the physical forms that we kind of grow and morph into that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily very perfect at all mm-hmm. anymore. It almost doesn't matter... Because if we feel good about who we are, feel good in our own skin and we paid our dues and we still feel excited and exhilarated by possibilities coming down the pipes. I mean, yeah, why not? I think, you know, this whole idea of self-celebration has never been more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for me, you know, I, I got a real thrill out of putting that picture on Instagram. It was more likes than I ever got ever in my whole Instagram life. So that was nice. It obviously resonated with people. And it was just a real feel-good thing. To, you know, I, yeah, why not do it? Absolutely. I am. Um, I've always had a very open life. I mean, a lot of people don't feel that comfortable about revealing that much. And, you know, that's fine. But for me, you know, what you see is what you get, kind of. Now I'm very open and, and happy to to share imagery that might inspire someone um, and, and change the way they look at, you know, someone who's 
pushing 69. I love that you brought it up because I did want to, I did kind of want to touch on that. And I, I think you summed it up perfectly. Just like there's always, you know, in terms of like finding yourself, there's always something new, right? And you've just embarked on this new podcast as well. Like, I just think you're such, you're such a testament to like constantly, I don't know if it's reinventing, but constantly like trying new things and, and, and not, you know, thinking that because I've, you know, I've already done so much, it's, it's done. Like you have so much more to do. And, and I even look at people like, I think, hold on the Today show, Kamala Harris, like these women are in, you know, their sixties, but this is like kind of the peak of their lives really is at least what it seems like from the outside. Question. I mean, I've always um, maintained that the, the key to success and happiness is to keep an open heart very important. Keep an open heart. Don't build up any walls. Any of you out there who've had your hearts beaten and battered a, a few times, keep an open heart and keep an open mind. Mm. And uh, as long as you have a keep a, an open mind, you know, you, your mind's open to the possibilities. And, you know, and if you can't change a situation, change your mind about it. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, why not? You should be able to do that. We, you know, you have to have control over your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Most important thing to be working on in this life. So, uh, yeah, I, I really feel that it's important to keep in tune with the world and to keep imagining possibilities and to fearlessly and tenaciously go after them. Mm-hmm. That, this has been a very sweet period of life for me, and especially even this past uh, year of the pandemic, because um, it's forced me to really uh, sit back and smell the roses more than I've ever done before. I never thought, oh, I don't really have time. You know, I want to knit something. I don't really have time to knit something. I'm too busy. I've got more important things to do. But all of a sudden, you know what? I've got time to sit and knit a really, really, really long scarf for my daughter and then for my friends. And then, and now I've like, I'm like eight and a half scarves into, into my knitting. And it's like, whoa. And it's just, it's such a nice thing to do. Or I can, you know, bake cookies and, and give them to the neighbors and do like all that the simple stuff that, you know, some women have just always done. And just for me, I was always like too busy yeah. with my you know, professional life to really do those kinds of things. And then my partner and I, um, when about a year after we met, we bought a lovely house in the country. Being in the country was always important to me. And uh, I have a lovely farm um, in Northumberland County that now my daughter and her partner uh, live on. They have an animation studio at the farm and they became organic farmers. It's like a 120 cool. farm and an 1842 stone house. So they're living a great life on, on our family farm. But my partner and I decided to buy a country place closer to a village. So 15 minutes from my farm, there's this charming little village. And we bought a, a great old historic house on a hill overlooking the village. And it's like, bliss to be there during these times of course I, we were so blessed I mean we you know been through a lot of stuff in our day and I feel that we paid our dues and worked our butts off to have this kind of a lifestyle but how great that we can be living in the country so much of the time and you know and still doing a lot of the work that we love doing from home um it's 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 it is it's a really sweet time uh in my life and I miss 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 my friends so much and that whole physical I love throwing dinner parties and I just I just love hugging people and and 
getting together with people. I, I, so many of us do. Um, I'm really just so sad that I, you know, my own daughter is like the one of them is in the Yukon, you know, oh. so I can't see her. Like she's far, far away. And, you know, really West Dawson, like in a little log cabin. And, and then my, uh, my sister, and I only have one sibling is in LA. So I can't, you know, I can't see her. And yeah. We're pretty close. And so, you know, but we all have, have to put up with that for now hopefully that's going to change um but that's one thing that's missing yeah Yeah, it's like the pluses and minuses right like the piece of the country and how that's made you probably like made us all like reflect and kind of enjoy those simple pleasures but you do miss that that human interaction and yeah they totally I absolutely feel you on that um but I know we're I know we're coming to an end here with the conversation and we usually end things with you know what we've discussed today in terms of a, of fashion and kind of like, let's talk about fashion, right? I feel like we've covered so much more today than that. And we always like to say, you know, what are kind of some action points now that we've talked about it? But I also feel like you've summed up some really perfect life advice of what you said in the end there. So I think you answered the question in a beautiful way already. If you if you have anything to add, by all means. But I, I feel like I've gotten, this was like a therapy session for me. Oh, <laughs> it was wonderful. It was a therapy session for me too. You know, you, had a, what, what, you know, you think about a lot of stuff, but until you actually get it out there and articulate it, it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Now I get where I'm going. Um, no, it's just wonderful uh, talking with you, Elise. Okay. You really, uh, you're wonderful. You've got a great energy, a great spirit. Uh, and again, you know, I, I just did, did an interview with uh, Zach Posen for, uh, it's going to be on my um, season two. Yeah, tell us about, tell us about season two. Well, um, we've just got a few in the can, so we don't know, but but among those that we have, Zach Posen, and that was great because he's been through the wars the past, uh, past couple years. years, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been like yeah. really, really tough for him, but what an inspiring guy. And I love him so much. I mean, I met him when he first graduated from Central St. Martin's and moved back to New York. So, you know, I was there in the early, early days of his career and to watch that brand grow and his vision grow and you know he's done such amazing things and he's he's kind of you know reinventing himself in uh, in a way now too a little bit which is great because he's very positive about it he's so creative it's such a great artist truly I have no doubt that uh, he'll fly so he's going to be on uh, the the first uh, I guess the first show back which will be the beginning of March that'll drop yeah, Beyond right. Style Matters, anywhere you find your podcast. Um, I, I did something with Cameron Silver. Again, great Cameron. It's just, oh, known him for, I've known him for decades. Of course, famous for his uh, wonderful decades shop. And he was such a, a visionary when it came to vintage dressing and, mm-hmm. uh, and has so much to say about uh, that whole world of vintage style. Um, Steve Madden, great, you know, great work. What a great business mind and a, a brilliant shoe visionary wrote, wrote a fantastic book. Uh, came out last year called Cobbler, and uh, you know he been through the war too because he'd been to jail and you know so great interview with him. I talked with uh, Dean Dory Tunstall. I don't know if you know her, but I highly suggest you follow her on Instagram. Okay. Dean Dory is the dean of design at OCAD oh. University and the first black. Dean of Design anywhere in the world at an art school. And she has some brilliant things to say about uh, the colonization of uh, design education and just, you know, inclusion uh, and uh, 
the diversity in fashion and design. Uh, and she's just, again, a great visionary, a brilliant spirit, as she is one of the most uh, uh, just is celebratory people I can think of because she's all about you know putting herself out there and she does dances for people on Instagram. Very cool. Oh, I need to check this out. She's brilliant. So I hope to turn the world on to her. So you know it'll be an interesting mix of people who are well known and people that maybe aren't that well known yeah. but should be known. Yeah. Um, just talking about the way in which we move through the world. I mean that style goes far beyond fashion as you know and as you know, what we illustrated with, with this little chat uh, today, I think. Yeah. It really is about um, the way we see the world and the way we move through the world. Yeah, I love that. Well, what a great note to end on. Thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. So much fun for me too. Yeah. And uh, try to catch me on Beyond Style Matters, the podcast, but also the show Style Matters on TSC yes. Thursday nights, uh, every Thursday night from seven to nine, starting March 4th. Perfect. A lot's going on for you in March. Yeah. And yeah. my birthday. Oh, my birthday's oh, in March. You know, it's a time to, you know, come out of the cocoon yes. a little bit. Let's, let, let's hope for that. <laughs> yeah. Fingers oh. crossed. Well, thank you okay. so much. It was so, hopefully we'll get to meet in person one day soon. Oh, I hope so, Lisa. Yeah. It's a joy to Thanks, Jeannie. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning into this conversation. We will have a brand new one on a brand new topic every Monday. If you were intrigued by anything in our conversation, we encourage you to talk about it. Tell a friend, post on social media, take action in your very own way. Subscribe to get the newest episode at your fingertips as soon as it drops. Until next time, check out Style Canada a disruptor in the media for its community of inquisitive style seekers. You can find us at style.ca or on social media. Just like this podcast, Style Canada is not just about style. It's about living a lifestyle that leaves people open to evolution and opportunity. This episode was hosted by Elise Gasparino, produced and edited by Alia Ballas. The music credit goes to Raspberry Music and was brought to you by Style Canada. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.